every year uh, when I was a, a teenager, I'd go to church camp, like in my high school years. And when we would go uh, on that last day of church camp, uh, it usually was kind of a special time. You know, you'd have people crying, uh, talking about how they were going to be friends forever. Uh, they would actually play this song called Friends Forever, and like people would just hug and, and cry. And then they would have this testimony time where the teenagers could walk up and they could grab a mic and they could talk about like what God has done for them throughout the week. And people would get up and they would say things like, uh, I'm, so fa- I'm so glad that I found Jesus, that uh, this is going to change my life, like things are going to be different. Um, and then as a youth pastor, I was, for a while I was at that same camp, and I would see teenagers do that exact same thing. And then the next year, like, I would see the exact same teenager, like, he'd get up and he'd say, you know, things didn't go well last year, but uh, I uh, am dedicated to this year. You know, I got Jesus again, and, and it's all going to go great. And every once in a while, you would have a student get up and say, hey, you know, I, last year didn't go well. But what I've learned is even when I go home now, I know that there will be issues at school. There will be problems, but I know that Jesus is with me, right? So, and uh, that's kind of how life is. Like, when a student gets up, like, you have all these people crying, and some of the kids didn't even know, like, why they were crying. Uh, they knew something was happening. They would get up and say things like, I love my mom, you know, and it was like, okay. like it, But uh, they get up, and they would talk, and then somebody would get up, and they would say, hey, uh, Things like when we get home will be, you know, the way they were, but Jesus will be with us. Like the kids thought that was kind of a bummer, like of a message. Uh, it doesn't sound good, but it does sound like the Bible, you know. Uh, and when we look in Jonah chapter 4, like that's, so Jonah chapter 4, that's the end, like, of the book, right? That's the last chapter. And what you would think is you're going to find Jonah and God in this, like, kind of camp time, you know, it's going to be a good thing. And, and that's really not what you find, in Jonah, in chapter 3, where he leads everyone to repentance, and in chapter 4, he leaves this amazing ministry moment, and he is angry. Jonah uh, has this in the book, and he's put this in here because, like, it just kind of, I mean, that's how life is, right? Like, we can, just because we choose to follow Jesus doesn't mean there's not going to be ups and downs. It doesn't mean all of our problems go away, right? It just means that he is with us. So, as we look at Jonah chapter 4, we're going to start with him. He leaves that. He's angry. And we're just going to look and see what, what are some things that we can take away uh, from Jonah chapter 4. All right? And the one first thing is never forget who God is. Um, what makes Jonah angry is the repentance of Nineveh and God's refusal to destroy them. All right? So, uh, four, Jonah 4, 1 to 4 says this, but Jonah... But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That, that is what I tried to uh, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And so you see that he doesn't much care for Nineveh so, and wanted God to judge them. 
He was upset that he didn't. So, so God sends Jonah because Nineveh is doing bad. They repent of their bad, and because of that, God didn't do bad to them. And because of that, Jonah thinks that is really bad. Okay? Jonah didn't like it, that God was forgiving to them. But if you look here about what he says, what God says, what he knows about God, he says, I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So he knows this because he has experienced it, all right? So, so he wants grace, like, for him, but he doesn't want grace for these other people that he doesn't much care for, right? And in life, can we be like that? I think that I can. I mean, we want grace for ourselves. That sounds great, but to the people that we don't agree with, not so much. Um, when, we were, when we were in New Orleans uh, on a missions trip, so we were there for two weeks rebuilding houses, and we were in the most dangerous neighborhood. Like It had the, the highest murder rate that year in the United States. And they told us, hey, you're okay during the day. Uh, just be out of here by night. So basically, we were rebuilding houses that were tore down by Katrina. All right, so we would be rebuilding these houses, and then you could look like next door, and you would see uh, the next door neighbor just sitting on the porch watching. Okay, and there were a lot of people like in this neighborhood not at work, and most of the people that lived in this neighborhood were not helping. Like, uh, and you know, we started to be a little judgmental. I started thinking, hey, like dude on the porch, like, this is your neighbor's house, and it has been torn away. Can you not come over here and help, you know? Uh, And that was my thought. So, and the whole group of us, we started getting a little mad, and then the guy that was over the group, the guy that works there every, you know, week and, and, and plans these things, he came up to us and said, hey, listen, guys, don't get frustrated at the people that are here. He said, because this is all they know, okay? This is generational poverty. Like, these people have watched, like, their mom live off the government, their grandmother live off the government, their great-grandparents live off the government. He said, you might know when you graduate to go to college or to go get a job. This, that's not common knowledge to the people that live here. And the more that, you know, we got to know them, the more we began to like them, okay? So part of what we were doing is this person on the porch like comes to us and he says, hey, why are you doing this? And we can say, well, we're doing it, you know, just to show some love, you know, to the community. We talk to them about Jesus and they say, well, how much are you getting paid to do this? We'll say, we don't, we're paying to do this. And then uh, it opens up a conversation and we really got to know like some of the people in that community. And uh, it was it was really cool, but at first, like, my first thing I wanted to do was, was judge them, all right? Uh, I wanted God to judge them because they were not, you know, doing what I thought that they should do. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in college, like, Courtney and I was dating, I had some problems in, in uh, high school with drinking, and uh, I had gotten over that by the time I was around 20, 21, so... I was walking through the parking lot at JC in Paoli, and uh, I saw one of my old friends, uh, and he lifted up to talk to me and, and while Courtney was with me, and, and he just kind of passed out in the truck. And, like, I got to be honest, like, my thoughts then were, like, 
you are pathetic. Like, I cannot believe that you are still, like, having issues with this. And here's the thing. Like, God had grace for me, like, when I was going through those things. And a lot of times I felt very pathetic, and I felt like I was just really struggling. But I look at this kid, and and I don't want to extend the same grace, and I'm not really concerned. I just want him to be judged, you know, for for what he's doing. And that's embarrassing to say. Like, I'm friends with this guy on Facebook. We are friends. And he has got his life together, and that's awesome. But it's embarrassing to think back to when he wasn't. Like, I wasn't somebody that went up to him and wanted him to, to find Jesus. And sometimes we, don't, we need to never forget who God is. Listen, God is here. If you think about the person that you dislike the most, okay, and you can say, I don't dislike anybody, I love everybody, yeah, whatever, like, so, I hope so, but, but here's the thing, if you think about the person that you dislike the most, I want you to know that God sent his son Jesus to die for that person, just like he did you. God loves that person, just like he does you. Like, we don't need to forget who God is when we're thinking about this world and we're thinking about people. Be for sure that God wants to see people saved and God wants to see people with him. That's who God is. John 3.16, we know it, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son. And John 3.17, we talked about this before, what does that say? He came to not condemn it, right? He came in this world not to condemn, but to save. And that's what he wants to do. He wants us to lead people to him. And we need to not forget who he is. Never forget why you are here. It's the next thing. So we're going to read 4, 5 to 9. It says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what people, to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about that plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at the plant? Jonah, in this, I just want to say he has... Sometimes what we have, right? He has a love problem. Uh, the first step, I think, to discipling people is really, like, loving them. Uh, I think sometimes we think knowledge equals maturity, but, but not always. Like, we should want to be in God's Word, but we also should want to do what God's Word says. The guys who knew the most when Jesus was on earth were chosen we're not chosen to be disciples. What matters most is loving people and caring about them, not as projects, but as people that God loves. We are here because of God's grace that he gave us. Every breath that we have and everything that we do, everything that we have comes from God. He supplied Jonah with shade, like, and he supplies us with different things, but no matter what he gives us, we need to use that for kingdom building. We need to use that to reach people 
for Jesus. Whether you have a talent, financial resources, whatever is given to us, we need to use to win people to God. Uh, and we all have different talents. Uh, I have a friend that I met. Uh, his name's Jacob. I met him at my dad's work, all right? So my dad is a body mechanic, and he hires people. And uh, he, I worked for him for about a year, and one day I showed up, and he didn't tell me he was going to hire this kid, but he did. And I showed up, and, and Jacob was there. Uh, Jacob was a lot different than me. Uh, Jacob had, uh, he dyed his hair orange. Uh, he drove a orange lowrider truck that had zebra uh, suede seats, okay? So I thought he was weird, like, when I first met him. I thought, I don't really want to, like, talk to this individual. But over time, like, I really got to know Jacob, and I really got to know about his life. I found out, like, that his dad was a, uh, was a pastor, and I also found out that Jacob hated the church. Uh, I found out, you know, different things that he liked to do, and we, we would talk each day. So one day, uh, you might not be able to tell by looking at me now, but I used to be a pretty fit guy, you know, so I would lift weights, and, and I asked Jacob if he would like to go lift weights after work, so to hang out after work, and, and he said, sure. So we started lifting weights every day, and we started, we started talking a lot, and uh, I, so finally I started inviting him to church, all right? So, and here's the thing, like one day he, he actually, like he showed up at church, and I got to be honest, like, I didn't think that was going to happen, but he did. Like, he was there, and he showed up, and that day, like, he got saved. Like, he, he became a Christian, like, and it was, it was so cool. I mean, I can remember the day that I first saw him and thinking, this guy is, like, a weirdo, and I don't want anything to do with him. And now, like, he, we're still friends today. Like, he disciples me, I do him. He lives in Illinois. He is married to a pastor's daughter. He has a very healthy life, and he just, he loves people, and he's out looking for people that he can win to Jesus. So I use, like, weightlifting, like, to get to know him, all right? Not as a project, but he was my friend. Like, I love Jacob. Another guy that plays guitar up here sometimes when we sing is, his name's Gene, all right? So Gene is somebody that I met at New Life Christian Church when I was the youth pastor and worship minister there. And when I met Gene, I thought, I don't want to, uh, you know, hang out with this guy because he's strange as well. They put me in a small group with him, and I thought, I'm not going to like this small group because they've put me with Gene. But Gene is one of my best friends now. And I used guitar, and we started playing guitar. We started going out to eat, but I used that to get to know him. And, like, he's, he's just my friend, like, and we become closer to Jesus together. He's one of my friends that, like, I share everything with about my life, and he'll tell me if I'm being stupid, if, you know, something's wrong. Like, he'll do those things. But we need to use what we have uh, to win people to Jesus. The last thing is this. Never forget what matters. So we'll read the rest of the chapters. It says, there it is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals? So we don't need to forget, we need to always remember what matters, that God cares for people. God cares for Nineveh. He says, you care for this plant. Do you not think I care for these people of Nineveh, which I made? 
He cares for them. He loves them, and he wants them to know him. Uh, we live in a very toxic culture. There's a dentist named uh, Walker Palmer, and we got a picture of him. You guys remember this guy? So he killed uh, Cecil the tiger, right? So he killed the tiger, and then it was all over the news and different things, and, and uh, people were you know, pretty upset that he killed this tiger. It was legal. It was okay for him to kill the tiger. He was hunting, uh, but, but they were just very angry. And it, it went from like just a picture you know, and pe- some people being angry, and then PETA said we should hang him. Like, they, they posted that online. And then uh, some other people started giving death threats, okay? And then after that, uh, they started posting, like, his home address, all right? So you can see, like, how something this led to something being very, very toxic, you know, where, where someone wanted to just, like, they, I mean, they wanted him to die. They said we should hang him. I had students one time uh, that were arguing over, these were freshman students, and they got in trouble at school at lunch for arguing over politics, all right? So, uh, and they got so loud in the lunchroom that they got suspended. The next day, like as they are, uh, in the next day, they're online, and I can see where they are going back and forth at each other, and one says, you know what? I want you to log out of Facebook for life. And he's basically saying, I want you to die, you know, to that, to that kid. And we live in a culture today that's toxic. The news, like, fans the flames from that, don't they? They want people against people. They want me against you. They want party against party. And it's really all about ratings, right? They, they want people against each other. They want conflict. They want that to happen. If you've ever watched reality TV, like, you know, like, a lot of that's not real, Right? Like, if I had my own reality TV show, and it was called, like, Chris and Courtney's Collision, and it was, like, talking about the collision of love, you know, that we, because we're just, you know, we've been married a long time, we love each other, and, like, you watch that, it, it would not get good ratings, okay, because it would be real boring. You would see me get up at, like, 3 in the morning, I'd look in the fridge to see if there's juice, and then I would shut the door, and I'd go back to bed. Like, that's not going to get ratings, right? So, like, with these shows, they create scenarios where, like, like, they'll put people in a house together and they know that they're not going to get along. They'll send them to exotic locations. You know, they'll do different things. It's not really reality. And they do that. Why? Because conflict equals ratings. And it's the same with the news. And it's the same with us. Like, you see people on Facebook. Like, I, I, I've been guilty of, like, I know that, you know, I'm going to read the comments when someone's arguing uh, just because I enjoy it sometimes. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, it's toxic, Right. It's what uh, we want. We have a hard time with that. Like, God cares for Nineveh. And if we really love Jesus and we really want, do we really want people to perish? Do we really, like, have you ever thought to yourself, yeah, God's going to judge them one day. And God's going to judge us all, but I don't know if I really mean that. Like, I really want God, I want them to be with Jesus. I want them to be in heaven. Um. And it's all about just seeing people as people. Uh, Trace and Chesney, I remember like yesterday, like they were little, and Trace had this habit where he would say to me and Courtney, it didn't matter like what it was on your plate. When he was three years old, he would say, 
hey, yes, I've never tasted that. Can I have some of that? I mean, it could be like a hamburger or a hot dog that he's had a thousand times before, and he would just say, I never tasted that. Can I have it? So sometimes he would eat my food, and sometimes he would drink all of my drink, you know. It just happened. That's what they do when he's kids. So we're sitting in bed, and we're watching TV, and Trace has a sippy cup. Chesney's there, and he gets mad, and he brings me the sippy cup, and he says, she drank all of it. And then he said, I want her whipped. And I was like, you want her whipped? And he said, punished. He used the word punished. I was like, you want her to be punished? And he said, yeah. And I said, but Trace, like, you've you drank all my drink before, like, and I said it was okay, but like, you want me to whip her for, for drinking your drink? And he said, I want her whipped again. And so I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do here. I said, we won't, I won't whip her, but I, we can get rid of her, okay? I said, we can get rid of her, and, and we can get you a different sister, and you don't, you don't have to have her anymore. And he looked at me, and that, his bottom lip started to quiver, Tears, like, filled his eyes. And he said, I don't want to get rid of her. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, do you want me to whip her? And he said, no. And the moment, like, he started looking past his anger or, and seeing her as a person, like, he's seen her as somebody that he loved, right? And when we look at people, we need to look at them as somebody just like this says, like God cares for and that God wants to see in heaven with him one day. He loves the people that you disagree with, the parties that you disagree with, the groups that you disagree with, the guy that dissed you yesterday at work, like God loves those people and he wants them to come to him. He, he loves them and we need to love them. And we need to look at them as God looked at Nineveh. We uh, got asked not long ago to go to Holiday World and be models. Okay, so they shut down the uh, they shut everything down. Like twenty people comes to Holiday World and they take your picture as you walk through the park. It was me, uh, Courtney, Chesney, and Trace went. And I thought it was a big deal. I thought maybe they saw, like, how handsome I was on my Facebook, and they were like, we think, like, you should come, you know, and maybe how cute my kids were, how hot my wife was. Like, they, they wanted us to be there, you know, or whatever. And, and so we show up. You know, it's going to be fun. And we're waiting, you know, because other people are asked to. And as we're waiting, I see this guy come in, and he's like, he's like the buffest guy I've ever seen. I was like, did they ask, like, a professional wrestler to do this too? Like, so he's standing over there, and, and then this lady comes in. She's got all of her hair fixed up and lipstick on, different things like that. And, and uh, I thought, huh, you know, so, because we didn't, like, you know, I don't, I don't wear makeup, but, like, I wouldn't think you'd wear makeup to Holiday World. It was real hot, you know. I don't, so uh, we actually go uh, walk outside to go to one of the rides so they can tape us and film us, and, and there's golf carts, and, and that guy, the buff guy, and the girl is fixing her hair and, and they got on the golf cart, and then I tried to get on the golf cart, and they said, no, not you. And I thought, well, you know, I, they like, you got to walk. Uh, those were, like, professional models that they actually hired, like, to come there. And, and uh, you could tell that they were important, and, and we were not as important. We were, we were extras, okay? 
Uh, I remember one time we were in the Lazy River, all right, we were floating, and they wanted them in the front, you know, and they, they stood up and they was taking their pictures, and then they told me, they was like, sir, you, you got it too far, you get out of the picture. And I thought, well, I don't want to be in the picture too, you know, and so online they show a picture uh, that they, they had, and it has that, it has the, the man model, the lady model, they're two fake kids models, you know, up front, and then they have us in the back, and, and you can see Chesney, She's raising her hand, and they cut me out of the picture. <laughs> and, you know, it hurts, right? I mean, uh, but I went, and here's the thing. Like, in my world that I live in, I can be selfish. Like, I am the main character in that world, okay? It's me. It's not you. But in reality, God's the main character, Right? Like, we're all important. There ain't no models and extras. Like, you're not the model and everybody else is extra. Like, God cares for everybody and loves everybody. He cares for you. He cares for your mom. He cares for people that you don't like. Like, he wants to see them. He loves them. And he pursues them. And he might pursue them by using you. And uh, today, like... My, my hope is, is that when you leave here, that God either convicts you or that you just look at people and try to see people as God sees them, not as like projects, not as interruptions, but as people that he loves and people that he cares for. Today, as they lead worship, if you need to pray, like Frank will be up here for you to pray with. There'll be some people in the back if you need to pray. Uh, if you've never been baptized, if you don't know Jesus, that could happen for you today. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and then we will worship together. Father God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you that you do not give up on us. Father, I'm grateful that you pursue us and... Uh, Father, I'm just grateful that we're all a little different. That we're not all made the same. And Father, I, I pray that you help us look at people and look at the beauty that they have, that you've given to them. That we can celebrate the ways that we are different. <clears throat> Father, help us see people like you see them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.